0: Let's get ready to roll.
1: Lead Like a Lady features amazing women at the top of their game who know what it's like to be the only woman in the room. They're here to share their stories, inspire greatness, and provide advice to all the women coming up behind them. Now, here's your host, Army veteran and retired FBI assistant special agent in charge, Gina L. Osborne
0: welcome to lead like a lady i'm your host gina l osborne let's start today with a question how much are you willing to invest in your dream do you believe it'll come true enough to invest your life savings the way entrepreneurs do in their products or your childhood the way olympic athletes do how much do you believe in your skills your grit your persistence yourself to keep pushing that boulder up the hill to make it happen. Terry Lincoln is my guest today. Back in the early 80s, she went from being a secretary to becoming the first female LAPD helicopter pilot. How'd she do it? She believed she could, so she did. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Gina. So with you, I want to start at the very beginning. Let's go back to 1983. What made you choose LAPD as a career back then?
2: Well, a lot of people will tell you that, oh, I wanted to be a police officer my entire life. And that that was not my story at all. In fact, I was a secretary and, you know, wearing the, the pantyhose and the high heels and numerous things came together all at the exact same time, sort of like a perfect storm. But my five-year high school reunion was coming up. And I thought, okay, so who am I now as an adult and on my own? And it's like, I'm a secretary. Like for me, that was just way too normal. And I've never been normal. I've always been um, something very different. Like in uh, elementary school, I was the track team captain. And then when I went to junior high, I became the first female president, President Lincoln. And then when I went to high school, I was the only female that ever played on the boys football team. And then I got a job working at a gas station and I became a manager of two stations. And so for transportation, I learned how to ride a motorcycle to get to and from the gas stations And now here I am an adult and it's like, I'm a secretary. Like, how did that happen? And so, and then I heard somebody say, wouldn't it be great if we could all do in life what we wanted to, as opposed to just falling into jobs and careers. And I thought about, it. i just fell into my job. There was no real goal or anything to get there. And so I thought if I really wanted to do what I wanted to be doing in life, what would it be? And I remembered having this dream, this reoccurring dream where I was playing Nap of the earth over hill and dale and the wind blowing through my hair and this incredible feeling of freedom. And every day that I had that dream, I would wake up and feel so good about life. And I thought, but how could I turn that dream into a career? And so as I'm driving home from my secretarial job, I heard a recruitment commercial for the LAPD. And they talked about the different positions, being a canine handler, uh, being a detective, working with juveniles. And then they said, you could even be a helicopter pilot for the Air Support Division. And I said, that's it. That commercial was speaking directly to me. So it was right then that I started my research and thought, okay, what do I need to do to get there?
0: So they didn't have the internet back then. What did you have to do, mail in an application?
2: They had a, now this is a really long time ago, and so they had a phone number you could call. It was a police, fire, and selection unit. And I called almost every single day with a new question. And what they told me was that you needed five years in street patrol, a commercial rating in aviation, and that no woman had ever been chosen for this before. And I don't know why I wasn't discouraged, but I just started writing down a to do list of all the things I would need to do in order to achieve this goal. And then I realized I didn't have any friends or family or anyone even remotely related to police work or aviation. You know, somebody that I could look up to and ask questions about all these things I was interested in. And. None of that seemed to matter. I just started researching and homework and figuring out, okay, how do you get processed to become an LAPD officer?
0: Once you made it through the process and got in, what percentage of the officers were women?
2: Oh, yeah, very few. In my academy class, we had about 65 students in the academy class, and seven were women.
0: How were you treated?
2: Oh, I I think I was treated very well, I, very well. Yeah, um it was very hard. It was very very challenging. Every single day was very very challenging. And a lot of people there had uh came from different experiences and different backgrounds. Um some, you know, were military, but no, there I was, ex-secretary and trying to fit in. And it was just a very, very different world than coming from secretarial life. That's for sure. So when you're
0: with all of those people who are coming from the military and you're a secretary, and I, and I kind of know the answer to this question because I was a cocktail waitress before I went into the Army. What did you feel like? I mean, how did you fit in?
2: Oh, it was very difficult because I was so used to, you know, wearing pantyhose and high heels and makeup and jewelry and all that. And when you go into the academy, everything is neutral. Like you can't have anything feminine about you. None of that is allowed. So I think the feelings at first were devastation. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't put on my face. I can't put on my shoes. You know, you're wearing men's clothes and no makeup. And that's that's how you fit in.
0: Right. So it's you just don't have the opportunity to express yourself in any way. Correct. So,
2: and then what was it like once you went out on patrol? In the academy, they told us, you're going to be treated very badly when you're on probation because you are a rookie. You're a rookie and you you haven't fit in yet. You don't deserve to fit in. There's going to be times where your partner may partner up with somebody else for, for lunch, for Code 7, and put you at a different table, the kids' table. And they told us of all the different things that were gonna happen because we were on probation. So there I am on probation in West LA. And there was only, I think, a handful of women that had ever gone to West LA. So the men there were just not used to working with women at all. So they would say things sometimes that were belittling when things get really tough. I'm just gonna be honest with you when things get really tough out there, you're the last person I want to partner up with. How did that make you feel? I That I didn't think that they understood the importance that a woman could bring to the table because I noticed a lot of men, let's say we're setting up for an arrest. A lot of men would talk themselves right into a fight with a suspect. And I thought, well, that's dumb. You know, that's not our job to punish the person. It's our job to take them into custody. And then what happens in court happens in court. It's not up to us to make this a miserable situation. And I found that I could talk my way out of a lot of violent situations and talk people down. I remember one man, super drunk. And my partner was yelling at him and cussing at him. And so he started cussing back and then he looked at me and said excuse me ma'am what what, <laughs> it was wait, what did funny. he say and uh, apologized he said excuse me ma'am
0: oh <laughs>
2: yeah oh well, funny cuz he didn't want to be cussing in front of me but um, yeah i just talked down a lot of situations and i thought to the partners that would say you know you're the last person i'd want to be with i would think that's that's a shame because i could probably save your bacon
0: How did they react to you when they found out that you wanted to be a helicopter pilot?
2: Oh, on my very first day of probation, I teamed up with a P-3 training officer, and he asked me if I had any goals for the department, because a lot of people don't. A lot of people just become police officers, and they don't really know what they're going to do. But I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a pilot for the air support division. (laughs) And he just rolled his eyes at me and said, that's pretty lofty. You might want to think about making it through your first day of probation. (laughs) And then it was so funny because he grew up to become a lieutenant in recruitment. And I grew up to become a pilot at air support. And so he said, whenever any candidate would ask him, what's the realistic options of really becoming, you know, metro or detective or my goal? What would really, what's the realistic expectation of that? And he would always tell them my story.
0: So how did you not get dissuaded or how did you not uh, listen to the people who told you you couldn't do it? You know, when they told you you couldn't do it, what made you think that you could? What made you keep trying?
2: You know, uh, I remember telling one partner that that's what I wanted to do. And he said, oh, no, you're going to ruin your career, that he had a friend that was a Vietnam vet and tried for 12 years to make it to air support. And it never happened. And he said, please don't waste your career on this. And there was just something that told me that I have something very different to offer than any of the other candidates that have tried to go up there. I just have something very different to offer. And it was just a feeling, a very positive feeling that I'm at least going to give it a shot. And,
0: and what was that? What did you have that was different?
2: I think a lot of it had to do with my feminine qualities. Through the years, I actually learned that the helicopters really like women. The helicopters, a lot of their Potential is based on weight within the helicopter. So, a woman is going to naturally just be lighter than most of the men. Uh, the helicopter also really likes a very easy touch. Uh, there's a lot of men that try to manhandle everything, and the helicopters don't like that. And also, the fact that I am like so new and so fresh, I'm going to be easily trainable. I know a lot of men that maybe. They're not so easily retrained. And I know that LAPD has its own set of rules. And when you go up there and you already have all these preconceived notions of what it's gonna be like to fly for the LAPD, I think it's it's very different than anything that you could bring from the military.
0: I love this positive belief system that you have where you tell yourself, okay. I have the skills. I have what my competition doesn't have. And an LAPD needs me as a helicopter pilot. So I would imagine that really motivates you even more to stay in the game and fight the fight in order to make this happen. So what active steps did you take in order to make this dream of yours come true?
2: Oh, a lot of it was visualization. So, for example, when I was working traffic, that is a bureau-wide assignment because we have divisions, and that make up bureaus that make up the entire city. And so, visualizing myself as a helicopter pilot, having city-wide enforcement, and then being in traffic, having bureau-wide enforcement, I, um, for example, I. I knew from from ride-alongs, I knew that air support had to listen to multiple radios. And they also navigated through the Thomas Guide, which is very different than patrol. In patrol, you have one radio and you navigate through uh, reporting district maps. And so it's very, very different at air support. So as a traffic officer, I was able to check out three radios, listening to multiple radios at the same time. And also I switched to the Thomas Guide to learn how to navigate with the Thomas Guide as opposed to reporting districts.
0: So you would do all this even though there was no guarantee that you were even going to get this job?
2: Correct. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Wow. So what other things would you do?
2: Uh, well, while I was on the ground, whenever possible, I would always call for an air unit so that I would get used to the terminology and working with the air unit and how to, I knew that they were responsible for setting up perimeters. So I would give them, I would practice with the streets, with the street signs and practice with my, my directions. Cause I know they're always speaking North, South, East and West. And I practiced with the, Numerical origins of the city, like um, south and east are even, and most of the corners end in zero. So, those were the things I was practicing because I knew once I get up there, I'm going to have to navigate to an exact location using just landmarks. So, I started practicing all the landmarks, all the landmarks from major intersections, so that when I got in the air, I would be able to recognize the The intersection. And so I just kept changing my perspective. I was on the ground, but pretending I was in the air.
0: You really must have believed that you were going to get that
2: spot. Yes. And when I first went up there, I I went up there first as an observer. They're called TFOs now, tactical flight officers. And they're the ones that work with the police officers. They're the ones that are doing all the voicing to the uh, police officers the navigation, setting up the perimeters while the pilot is speaking to air traffic control and to the other helicopters in the area. So the pilot's pretty much doing all the air work and the tactical flight officer is doing all the groundwork. So when I first got up there, I said, Air three, confirm you have a code for. <laughs> and I heard my <laughs> own voice because you never hear a woman's voice, it's always a man's voice. And so when I heard my own voice, I'm like, that's a lady. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, I was so shocked hearing my own voice coming out of the helicopter. So that was pretty surprising. It took me a while to get used to my own voice. But yeah, I had practiced for all those years being in that seat. And then here I was, I was actually in it.
0: Dang, girl. I am so inspired by your story but what's fascinating to me is you make it sound so effortless and I am over a decade behind you in the world of law enforcement and I know that being the first at anything back then took a ton of grit and determination. We had talked about not being able to do something this groundbreaking alone that there were leaders who saw your potential for greatness?
2: Uh Uh-huh. I was just very, very lucky because there were some real people of influence that were able to see that side of me. Uh, Mike Hillman was one, and he was the reason I ended up getting promoted into uh, being a flight instructor he saw something within me that a lot of people didn't. And I think a big part of it was because I was so young and I was so blonde without having any background in police work. But once people started to learn my potential, I think there was more and more people that were willing to work with me.
0: Terry, thanks so much for being on the show. I really had a fun time interviewing you.
2: Yes, it was absolutely my pleasure. And I'll tell you, Gina, I sure would like to interview you someday.
0: Okay. (laughs) I'd love that. (laughs) That would be fantastic. I truly value you as a listener and would love to show my appreciation. Visit me at GinaLOsborne.com and I will send you a free ebook called Five Strategies to Navigate a Male-Dominated Workplace. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and are feeling inspired, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite
1: listening platform. Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne is produced and edited by Lisa Osborne. Theme music is Leading Lady by retired IRS criminal investigation attache Clarissa Balmaceda featuring Alex Castillo. Find us on social media through GinaLOsborne.com slash Lead Like a Lady. And don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne wherever you get your podcasts.